2: you got problems that you ought to be concerned with Oola! you don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it you're a freak with a dark shameful secret but you're
3: not the only one who case your hidden financial fears with a blast of sun now your healing has begun it's bad with money with gabby
2: dunn hello i'm gabby dunn and this is bad with money Now, today we're going to talk about why can't student loans just be canceled? Why can't they just be canceled? Why do we need them? Why are they happening? Especially right now during a pandemic, although the CARES Act did allow them to be put on pause, but that ends in September, October, and then um, there's basically no plan. Shocking that there's no plan with this administration. So today we're going to talk to Seth Frottman, who's the executive director of the Student Borrowing Center, and he used to work for the Consumer Protection Financial Bureau, which we fangirl over here. Um, so basically, Seth gives us economic systemic reasons why student loans could be forgiven. So let's get into that. Seth, can you tell my listeners who you are and what you do?
3: Sure. Uh, my name is Seth Frotman, and I am currently the executive director of the Student Borrower Protection Center. Uh, and before that, I was the lead student loan official at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Can
2: you talk about what um, what your current job is and what you do there?
3: Sure. So, um, so I actually created this nonprofit organization after I left the CFPB, which was like really focused on just trying to help student loan borrowers. So I've been doing kind of work around issues for people with student debt for like a decade. And, you know, I think one of the things that I saw was that there's all of these like amazing organizations out there that are fighting on behalf of consumers across like a range of issues from, you know, payday loans to mortgages. And a lot of those folks focus on student loan debt. But there wasn't really just one organization where like the whole team woke up every single day and thought about how to really tackle the student debt crisis. So after I left the CFPB, I was lucky enough to kind of start this organization, and I recruited kind of the kind of the best and the brightest out of the bureau who were working on student loans to join. and then were lucky enough to hire like a bunch of new people. So, you know, every day our team of 10 or 11 people, um, you know, uh, you know, think about the problems that student loan borrowers are facing. Think about all of the ways that they're getting ripped off and then just try to tackle those in partnership with, you know, state lawmakers, other nonprofits, helping individual borrowers. And, you know, we've been at this for like a little over a year and a half now. And um, I think we've done some really good work.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, the title of this episode and I think like the crux is why can't we just cancel all student debt?
1: So
2: (laughs) why, why, why can't we?
3: So I think it's like really important to kind of figure out where we are just because the numbers are just so massive. Sometimes it's hard for people to get their arms around it. So um, like you know, just to give folks a sense of scale, there's now around 1.7 trillion dollars of student loan debt. That's oh 1.7 trillion with a T. So nearly 45 million Americans get a student loan bill each month. So that means that there's more student debt than there is, like all car loans in America. there's wow. more student debt. Than all credit card debt in America, it's second only to mortgages. And I think wow. what you've seen is that this this like tremendous growth has really happened in just you know the last decade. And what people are facing now um, in terms of these debt loads um, is really just not common by American standards. You've seen you know balances shoot through the roof, the number of borrowers shoot through the roof. And it's really added more than a trillion dollars of debt in the last, you know, in the last 10 years. And I think what's important is, you know, a lot of times, it like really makes me angry. I'm sure it makes you all angry, is sometimes this phenomenon has been explained by like a bunch of millennials running around and eating too much avocado toast or, you know, whatever like really offensive meme comes across social media. Um, never ever read the comments when anyone talks about student debt on, you know, Twitter or or other or Reddit or or other sites. Um, but like that's just not true. Like what we see is how like student debt is really this intergenerational problem Im- impacting older Americans, um, impacting younger Americans, impacting folks in rural areas and urban areas. And I think that's like the central question, which is how can and how should we help these borrowers? So I think to, you know, specifically answer your question, you know, can we wipe out large amounts of student debt? And the answer is absolutely. And I think that's in particular because, you know, most of that debt is actually currently held by the federal government. So really the question isn't, can we, it's do we have the political will to do so?
2: And that is no. The answer is no.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I think there's reasons to be hopeful and optimistic, right? So I think just to like talk about that a little more. So the student debt, like the student loan market is actually pretty crazy because the federal government has grown into one of the like largest lenders in the world. Like Uncle Sam now holds around $1.3 trillion dollars In student loan debt, right? There's like an enormous bank essentially at the center of the Department of Education that is responsible for over a trillion dollars of consumer debt. And I think in some ways, this makes the answer to your question about whether or not we can forgive this debt even easier, right? You know, this isn't Mm -hmm. like mortgages where during the last financial crisis we had this really long, drawn-out debate over, like, do you have the right? What about the lenders on the other side? Mm -hmm. Um, In a lot of ways, this is simply a question of, you know, Uncle Sam writing off some debt that's owed to it. And I think that's why I say this is, in some regards, you know, not a question of can we do this? It's a question of do we have the collective will to do so? And, you know, I think the reason to be optimistic is talking about large amount, wiping out large amounts of student debt, um, you know, uh, until recently was like a very, very controversial position. I think probably over the last year, maybe even just like the last five months, you've seen tremendous progress from like advocates and from progressives in terms of getting this on the radar. So, you know, during the Um, The debates about response to COVID, you saw more members of Congress throw their support behind some level of debt uh, cancellation. You saw, you know, Vice President Biden talking about some amount of debt cancellation. So I think a lot of credit goes to people who have for years been talking about the importance of this. And obviously there's a really long way to go. But, you know, I think if you asked me three or four years ago, was this remotely possible? I would have said no. And I think, um, you know, I'm a lot more optimistic now.
2: But I don't. Okay, I don't understand. Does the Department of Education need this money? Like why? Why are they doing this to their own citizens? And why do we just accept? Like, you would think that people in this country would be like, yeah, we don't want to pay them. But like, I know that there's a bunch of and I say this as this show is kind of a socialist show, uh, just boot li- bootlickers who are like, no, I, I must pay my debt. And I'm I'm a this means something about me morally or whatever they think. Uh, but wh- why? Like, what do they does the Department of Education need the money? I don't understand. Why would the government do this to its own people?
3: So, you know, I think this is like the question that millions of Americans ask, right? And I think that, you know, one of the things just kind of like looking at this market and talking to um, just like, you know, thousands and thousands of people is this kind of like enormous disconnect where you have like an entire generation, which is just buried under student Mm -hmm. loan debt, who is just like tired of being lectured to by a generation who, you know, paid for their school, you know, in the pocket change left over from, you know, from their summer jobs. And I think like what you're starting to see now is just like the result of a massive amount of organized organizing talking about how like the status quo is just not okay. Right. Because one of the things that's just important to really keep highlighting is like, what is happening now with student debt? What's happening to millions of Americans? Like this is the aberration. Like this is what is not normal. Like the debt right. load that we are like just piling on the backs of millions of Americans, but in particular, the most vulnerable Americans in this country, um, you know, is, I think, you know, one out of control. Two, like fundamentally just unjust. But again, three, is not the norm. You know, America used to invest considerably more in access to uh, higher education and public access to higher education. And like a lot of uh, what you have seen is like the long lingering effects of the Great Recession. And, you know, to be fair, a lot of right-wing politics Who just kind of ceased and stopped that investment um, altogether, Um, and the result is a you know quickly growing into like a two trillion dollar debt market. So you know I think that people have like every right to one feel really angry about this debt, but I think the most important thing is just like, to continue the work, to continue the organized, to continue making the case. Um, yeah. Because I think the only positive kind of silver lining is that this debt is impacting so many people mm-hmm. that it's, like, hard for elected officials to ignore the constituencies if people are willing willing to build them. So, you know when there was a time when we could actually get on planes and meet people and travel, I would always like, uh, find it remarkable, like the extent to which, um, like student debt has just infiltrated like nearly every community in America. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we would be in places like rural Maine and they would talk about how that student debt was like an existential crisis for rural economies because they just like didn't have the labor markets um, to support $300, $400, 500 a month student loan bills, right? Like we would hear about it from like uh, people who wanted to move home to be veterinarians to work on family farms who yeah. just like couldn't afford to do so with $200,000 in debt. And I think like, um, I think one of the things where I just like always try to encourage people is that, they, we still need to make the case about why student debt matters because, for like an entire generation, it's just visceral. Like, they just mm-hmm. know it's just common sense that this debt is holding them back, it's holding their friends back, it's holding their family back. Um, but even, like, a bunch of, like, good progressive politicians just have never experienced it. And I think, right. like, there's just a considerable amount of work to, like, show the true cost that this debt is having on the people and, like, the constituents that, like, they know and care about.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, this is all new. Like my mom paid like fifty bucks to go to Brooklyn College. (laughs) Like this is all like this is all new, but we've normalized it. And I wanna
3: say Brooklyn College too.
2: Oh hey. So you know, there Mm -hmm. you go. But I (laughs) Here's here's my conspiracy theory. I mean, it's not even a conspiracy theory. I think they they don't want to do it because it one it keeps us uh, uh, it keeps people out of college. So it keeps us, you know, complacent and uneducated as much as they possibly can. And then if you do go to college, it keeps you poor and it keeps people from economic mobility. I don't think there's any incentive for the government. Uh, or for people who are wealthy or even for people who have never experienced student debt or senators who have never experienced student debt or people in the federal government or whatever, who, who took over their daddy's Congress seat or whatever to what motivation do they have to help
3: anybody? <laughs> well, like, so I think that, so I think this is, this is, um, so I think what student debt has really become is just this massive crutch
0: Mm -hmm. for
3: policymakers from having to take, like, really tough decisions. And, like, in some regards, this isn't actually a partisan issue, right? Like, a lot of the reason why we have massive amounts of student debt happens at the state level, like, in both red states and blue states who Mm -hmm. have just chronically underinvested in public higher education, especially since the last recession, right? Mm -hmm. And, like every lawmaker is making decisions about what they want to spend money on, whether or not they're willing to fight to raise revenues, mm-hmm. um, how they're willing to, you know, invest in what is always like a very limited pie. And I think the other really, really sinister thing that happens in the student debt world is this total misnomer that student debt is quote, good debt. right? Um, Right. And like what happens is this fallacy infiltrates all of these decisions, right? So take even your like, you know, pretty good state legislature who's like, hey, we are just, we're we're never going to be able to bring in more money. And I'm choosing between, you know, um, like fixing roads um, and like healthcare decisions and Mm -hmm. like investing in in the public college. And what you see is over and over again. They're like, well, we could kind of we could kind of pull away from investment in public higher education because we could fill that up with, you know, student debt. And you know, this is a great investment in your future. And I don't have to be that worried because we're able to kind of backfill what the state and the federal government used to do um, Mm -hmm. with just this debt. And isn't everyone still fine? And I think Mm -hmm. the case that we have to keep making is like no, we're not fucking fine, right? <laughs> that, like, that, like the, the cost that this debt has, um, just it's not good debt. And I think, like, what you're starting to see more and more just, like, awesome research come out, which is starting to show the true cost of student debt. And I always kind of, like, bucket these into, like, two different categories. So it's, like, the cost on just, like, individuals, just, like, you know, uh, like your viewers right so mm-hmm. like I can't save for a house I can't save for retirement I'm like changing my career choices I'm not starting a family mm-hmm. but then I think where this stuff gets really scary is like the cumulative impact of all of those decisions and you're starting to see how student debt is driving income inequality and racial mm-hmm. inequality and driving out migration from rural counties and you know like in, you know What I always say is, you know, student debt is kind of the kerosene on the fire of all these problems that Mm -hmm. America faces in its communities, in its states, in the country, where, um, you know, you throw a trillion dollars of debt onto the inequality that this country faces. um, And, you know, uh, the outcomes are are so stark.
2: Okay, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. And we're back. What is the the racial breakdown of of student loans? Who has the most?
3: So, I mean, this is just the really, really troubling part. Where you know, I, I know it was it
2: was a leading question, Seth. I know. I, know. <laughs> I knew it was about to get troubling.
3: <laughs> well, so you know, I think that like there's so many uh, misnomers here. Where, like, you know, the average person thinks of, like, the person with student debt is kind of this, like, really affluent person who, like, you know, is going to become, like, you know, some fancy doctor and lawyer and who cares if if they need help. And I think mm-hmm. what you're seeing is just that's not true. And mm-hmm. uh, there's, these, like, this great researcher out of Dartmouth who, who, like, speaks about this really eloquently about how, you know, The student debt crisis, especially among um, African-American families, is both a cause and consequence of the racial wealth gaps in this country, right? Mm -hmm. Where, um, you know, the average African-American family just has, uh, like, significantly less wealth accumulated in their life, which means when Mm -hmm. their kids go to school, um, there's just not this reserve to help them pay for some part of it or all of it. So you Mm -hmm. see how, uh, you know, Uh, Black and Latinx families have to take on more debt just to go to school, like across all sectors. And then the problem is when they leave school, you know, we just have crushing labor markets in this country and just like the continued impact of both like employment discrimination, wage discrimination, which just makes the problem even worse.
1: Um,
3: So, you know, what you're seeing is like delinquency rates, like five times greater in the most segregated communities in America. You see Mm -hmm. default rates, um, you know, pushing 40 plus percent for African-American borrowers. Mm
0: -hmm. And
3: there's like, obviously like a lot of discussion now about building uh, like a much different America and hoping that like what we're all seeing on the streets in the news will kind of create kind of a much uh, a much more robust discussion about a lot of uh, just like systemic problems facing America. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, I think that talking about student debt should be part of that, that equation.
2: Yeah. Cause there is the thing of like, well, once they get out of school, they're less likely to be hired and there's racism in the, in the job market. And then my like galaxy brain take is like, well, academia is so white and we, in america our standards of success is like we force poc to like meet these standards and spend all this money to sort of strive to white measures of success and then once they do that we're like okay thank you fuck off like it's so um like i feel like there a lot of it is like we gotta like stop acting like college is the be all end all truly
3: well, so I think like there's also this this thought, and who knows if it was ever true that like higher education is this great equalizer like in yeah. America. Um, and you know, I think think of it, but you will. But when you look at what is happening now in terms of like debt fueled higher education, it is just like nearly impossible to make that same argument. Um, mm-hmm. like there are some amazing pieces of research which just shows like how deep it is. And I hope I don't mess this up, but it's like twenty years after graduation, um, the average white borrower has paid off more than like ninety percent of their loan balance, but the average African American still owes you know ninety percent of what they took out. Um, right. you know, just like remarkable statistics would show just like how systemic of a problem that student debt has become. And I think mm-hmm. the other thing that's just like, you know, infuriating about the student loan market is it's like very hard to convince people of like the ripple effect that this debt has. You know, like, mm-hmm. um, like talking to all the people over the year, like the number one thing I would always hear was like, I'm not alone. Like I'm so much like... I am like more than this one product, but this one thing has just like overtaken my life. And, you know, we've done some data that shows that people who take on more student loan, who are forced to take on more student loan debt will pay more for a mortgage and a car loan and a mm-hmm. credit card, right? And like, we have to just have a much broader view of what student debt is doing to like American households Mm-hmm. Especially like borrowers of color, because mm-hmm. like, I keep coming back like the real problem here is like elected officials continuing to fall back on the idea that these are okay public policy choices because somehow this is like an investment in yourself or good debt.
2: Right. So, okay, so there's the pandemic going on. Um, What kind of assistance has the government provided for people during the pandemic? And what's the plan once these provisions they've provided under the CARES Act, which I'm sure you'll explain, uh, expires Mm -hmm. in September?
3: So it's, it's, it's fascinating because what Congress did was like, pretty unfathomable just a couple years ago. So essentially the, uh, United States Congress said, if the government holds your loan, you just don't need to pay, make payments for like six months, like until yeah. October. Um, there was like a lot of problems with that. Like it cut out like 9 million, uh, student loan borrowers who have like private loans or older federal loans. Um, but for millions of Americans, it essentially paused their payments. So like okay. you know, it's hard not to identify that as a positive thing. Obviously, like Betsy DeVos's implementation of this has been nothing short of abysmal. Like she continues to like steal the wages and like tax refunds of thousands and thousands of people illegally. Um, you know, which we could talk we talk about as a separate matter, but You know, Congress stepped in and at least tried to push pause. But I think, like, the real issue here is what they actually did was kick the can down the road, right? Like, either October or at some point in the future, um, like, tens of millions of people's student loan accounts are going to be turned back on. And I don't know of anyone who thinks that, like, the economic situation for student loan borrowers has gotten better in in intervening, you know, six months. Um, and I'm just really, really worried about what the student loan market looks like on the back end of this. Like to give you some sense of, of size, there are more than 9 million student loan borrowers in default on their loan. There's like another 2 million who are severely delinquent. So you're talking about like 11 million people who are already like really far behind and um, you know, with tens of millions of Americans out of a job. Like what does this? Start to to look like, and I think this is where the debt forgiveness, the debt cancellation conversation, like needs to be front and foremost. Which is kind of tinkering around at the edges when you have such like an extreme problem on your hand is just not going to cut it.
2: I mean, do they have a plan for after September, October, or they're just there's there's no it's just blank.
3: So, you know, I think it's like a good question. Like, you know, the Democrats put forth uh proposals. They pass it out of the House. There was kind of a unified front in the Senate that would have had like significant debt relief for all student loan borrowers. Um, obviously, Mitch McConnell was not going for that. Um no. And I think it's going to be like really interesting to see how this shakes out. I mean, I think everyone is... Um, you know, this is kind of like parallels the unemployment insurance discussion in a much kind of smaller way, which Mm -hmm. is, is there going to be this enormous cliff come October? Or are people going to actually look around and realize how much like economic and financial pain is happening and the idea that somehow, you know, we're back on the top of the V-shaped recovery is just farcical. So, you know, I think there's going to be questions about whether or not they continue the pause. But I think, you know, Um, We are we are far from getting there, but there seems to be a growing amount of momentum, um, at least within the Democratic Party, that the answer on the back end of this is some amount to like some significant amount of debt forgiveness for student loan borrowers as part of like a much larger uh, uh, like vision of like, you know, big systemic change.
2: Does Biden talk about this kind of thing? Does Biden want to do this?
3: Yes. So during the debate, Vice President Biden announced that he was in favor of um, uh, $10,000 of forgiveness for all student loan borrowers, which is actually quite substantial. Like you would actually be surprised about how many borrowers are really, really struggling despite having balances below $10,000. So, Mm -hmm. you know, even if you you know, I, I don't want to say just wiped out $10,000, but even if you set the amount at $10,000 for cancellation, um, you would be significantly improving millions of Americans' lives, like totally wiping mm-hmm. off their student loan bill um, from, uh, from like any sort of consideration so they could kind of get on with their financial lives. And then there's like uh, just also a whole bunch of programs that are supposed to be providing broad-based relief for student loan borrowers, that you know, Betsy DeVos um, has just totally um, screwed up. I don't know how else to say it, right? Like the public no, service right. loan forgiveness, <laughs> <laughs> like the public service loan forgiveness program is supposed to be forgiving and discharging, like you know, debts for public school teachers and nurses and doctors, but we like still have like a ninety-nine percent denial rate. Um, Mm -hmm. people who have been ripped off by like predatory schools are supposed to be getting their loans forgiven. Um, and she's like fought that tooth and nail. And you can kind of go on and on. So there's obviously like a whole lot of different ways to get there. Um, and I think like in all honesty, a lot of this is just kind of come down to organizing and advocacy and like getting um like progressives, getting democratic leaders to realize that this is like this. This is and needs to be a priority in terms of kind of shaping like a new American economy.
2: All right, it's time for one last break and then we'll be right back. And we're back. If all debt is canceled by the Department of Education, that doesn't affect the marketplace at all. And also, if everyone just stopped paying their loans, would that affect the marketplace in any way? Like, if everyone just decided, like, we're not doing this anymore?
3: So I think, like, so I think the first question, right? So I think this is, like, why when people are thinking about, like, what does it take to, like, like improve inequality, to give working people, a, like, a better shot, to, like, try to work on some of the just, like insane levels of, like, racial inequality in America that, like, thinking about, um, like, cancellation of student debt is just, just makes sense, like, because I, like, I don't know how else to say this, but it's kind of the low-hanging fruit. Like, this is kind of the easy stuff. Like, to your point, like, if the federal government holds the debt and you wipe it out, it's not like there's a private sector company on the other end. Right. Like, I think like there are people rightfully like marching in the streets, right, for bans on evictions and stopping foreclosures. And obviously, Mm -hmm. like, entirely sympathetic to that. I don't want to make light of that. But, right, like, there's a lot of parties on the other end of that, like, you know, landlords and and that stuff. Like, here, what you are talking about is literally the federal government, you know, going into spreadsheets and wiping numbers off the books. Right. And I think like, what this comes down to is just political will as compared to like a lot of very kind of thorny issues that we need to work on and we do need to work on those i'm certainly not trying to downplay it but if you're thinking about like a much broader vision in terms of creating like a more just and equitable america like this should be on the table and we should do it thoughtfully but like this this, this work in terms of just, like, logistics and practicality, like, this is the easy stuff that we should, be, we should be thinking through.
2: And what would happen if everybody just stopped paying?
3: So this is the one that gets me nervous, right? Because we treat student loan borrowers in this country like, you know, like, deadbeat parents and, like, tax cheats like if you fall behind on a federal student loan we seize your wages we take your social security payments like the um like the tools and tactics that the federal government has to go after you are just astounding like a lot of this is built on the idea that student loan borrowers are just like these deadbeats um but like the federal government is created a system where they have like the most aggressive debt collection tactics that will ruin your credit, ruin your financial life, and really not think twice about it. So I like um, alluded to this before, but like the federal government has the ability to seize your wages if you fall behind on your federal student loan without Mm -hmm. ever even getting a court order. Mm -hmm. So Congress stopped this as part of the cares act where they said like we want betsy devos to to like stop seizing people's wages mm-hmm. and they just can't stop they don't know how like we can't what, what do you, mean they, can, what do you other, mean they what do you
2: mean they they don't, know, they don't how? know how they
3: like don't they have they have like a legally stolen tens of thousands of people's wages even after Congress said to stop. We're like... But what What do you mean they can't
2: lo- stop? They're just stabbing you going, I'm so sorry for the stabbing. We, I don't know how to stop moving <laughs> so my hand. This
3: is what's crazy. They, like, they dispatch the employer to, like, start taking the money out of your paychecks. And then they can't ever track down the employer. Like, employers, like, went home. They're not, like, checking the mail. Um, and so the Department of Ed just kind of First, they forgot to kind of send them the letters, and then they kind of like half-heartedly did so. Then there's like a whole group of employers who are seizing people's wages where the apartment of Ed lost their address and they can't track them down. So literally every single day, Betsy DeVos takes someone's wages in the middle of a pandemic, uh, despite the fact that it's against the law to do so our organization and others are in federal court at least trying to get basic information to tell us like how many people have you stolen illegally? Have you actually given them their money back which they're like struggling to do? But like this is the collection system that we've created. Like we treat student loan borrowers so poorly in this country that like we have created a debt collection machine that is simply unresponsive to the law. Um, And So this is, I think to go back, this is a little why I I get worried about telling people not to pay their student loans because I've seen firsthand the consequences. Um, But like, it's just outrageous that like, you know, these are people who took on, get simply to chase like the American dream because for as long as they can remember, they were told like, this Mm -hmm. is what you're supposed to do. And then like the second you fall behind, like the second life happens to you, we just like, The full weight of the federal government, like crashing down on your head. And I, I can't tell you the number of times of conversations where you just see people who just, it just seems like whiplash, right? Which is like, I did everything that I was supposed to do. Like, how is this how my life turned out? Like, I can't tell you the number of conversations I had with people where that was just like the predominant thing.
2: So it would it would have to be that every single person has decided to to default or but like, but you're right, it does it causes like I want to be like everyone stop paying them. But like it causes like problems with your credit score and problems with like other stuff in your life. So
3: I mean, I think like maybe I'm old school, but like I feel like we are in a time now where it's like the effort and the energy like needs to go into organizing like mm-hmm. all levels of government like this is from your state rep to your united states mm-hmm. senator to be like you need to tackle this like this needs to be on the agenda both as like thinking through like covid response but even in just your day-to-day life but mm-hmm. i think the really important thing and i think this is starting to change and i think like senator warren has a lot to do with this is when we used to talk about student debt, like every politician's answer was like, um, we need to make college more affordable to the next guy, right? And then you would look over yes. at all the people with student debt to be like, hey, hey, what about me? Like, that doesn't help me at all. Right. And I think it's like, I, I, we're not there yet, but I feel like we need to continue to make the case that like, we can't write off an entire generation of Americans and be like, my bad. I guess we screwed up higher education financing for the last 15 years. So your life is over. Right. And I feel like more and more you're starting to see like the advocates and the organizers and even kind of the like select few politicians who, who work on this, like realizing that you need to marry the two together. Right. Like we need to make certainly make college much more affordable going forward. But we also need to help people who are struggling with student debt now. And I feel like by maximizing that and by building out that coalition and that narrative and that story is where you actually can, like, drive substantial change. Because, you know, you say the best, you know, this this is 100% logistically feasible. It's just the question of whether or not, like, Elected officials and policymakers are going to prioritize it.
2: That's why I think it's on purpose. Uh, they don't want to. It's purposefully a certain way to maintain like a status quo. Like because it, it, if they they keep promising stuff and then like like I said, put an ad on TV. That figure out a way to fix this. Like you have like time. What what are you doing? Like I feel like they just well, don't so want I think to. the other
3: thing is people are like petrified. Like, you remember, i uh, remember like Rick Santilli during the mortgage crisis who went on CNBC when they started talking about writing down mortgages to help struggling homeowners and like people attribute that where he kind of went crazy and talked about like, I'm paying my mortgage. Like, yeah. you know, why would we help people who aren't? And like people kind of attribute that to like the whole rise of the Tea Party, yada, yada. Oh, um, oh this, is the, I mean,
2: this I- is the whole, this is the whole problem in this country is that Like you think like, well, I did it. So other people have to, I don't care about like, uh, it's just this, this thing of like, you're just buying into the system. You are literally a cog and like an advocate for the system. And because you suffered, you think other people have to suffer. And it's like such garbage and so unhelpful. And I hate it. Well, so to be hopeful,
3: to be hopeful and optimistic here, right. Which, you know, is actually quite rare for me. So I like, I like talking to you. Is the Senator Warren put out her proposal to like wipe out a massive amount of student loan debt? And everyone was like, oh God, this is going to be so controversial. Everyone's going to hate this. And then like the polling came back and it was like overwhelmingly supported by like Democrats, independent Republicans. And they were like, no, no, but you're really going to alienate people who've paid off their loans. So then they polled people. Who are like, do you have student debt or have you paid it off? Do you support that proposal? And the majority of people did, and I think it kind of like, it's you know, I feel like the loudest voice in the room is always that guy in like your Mm -hmm. in like you know your your Twitter handle who's like screaming about like I paid it off and so should you. But I feel like in actuality, the majority of the American people are like even if they went through this, are like, that sucked. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want that for my kids. Like, I don't want that for others' people kids. And I feel like that's how we win this argument is like talking about the like individual cost of this debt. But I really think there's something to be pushing on like the collective weight of it, both in terms mm-hmm. of like income inequality, like especially racial inequality. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, you see studies out there talking about like student debt, making people leave rural communities. Like Mm -hmm. the people who are voting on bills that drive student debt are like single-handedly like driving decisions that force people to leave. Right. And like, you know, if you ever travel to like, you know, rural America, the number one conversation is kind of like why do my kids have to leave to go somewhere else and can't come Mm -hmm. home. And I feel like there's, there's opportunity To, like, make the case about why, like, ending the student debt crisis, uh, like, driving college affordability going forward, like, isn't this kind of, like, partisan, like, you know, Bessie DeVos worth the world issue. It's just kind of, like, common sense because it's, like, impacting so many facets of American life that I think that we could make the case to, you know, to, like, nearly anyone about why they need to care about this.
2: Right yeah well, everything's partisan here because uh we don't know how to help ourselves I, <laughs> where can what is it so to end what are what is the best way for people listening to to help or to you know like do something about this?
3: Yeah. So, like, I think that this is hard, and I'm sure this cuts across a lot of, like, your shows and your viewers is, like, people are generally really hesitant to talking about their family, like, their personal finances, right? right? Like, I feel like America does a pretty good job of shaming people into, like, you know, if you can't cut it, it's, like, your fault. Like, when we all know that's just, like, not true. Um, But, you know, I think that a lot of what has changed the narrative is just people, like, just everyday people willing to talk about how Like, this debt has impacted their lives, right? From like, you know, public school teachers who are like, you know, trying to get second jobs driving Ubers to pay off their student loans, um, to like people who like wanted to give back to their community but are unable to do so. And like, you know, I'm the first to recognize how hard this is, but. You know, we just need more people willing to share their stories and talk about how like this has become a national crisis. You know, I, I, right. I, I talked about this early on, but, um, you know, the fastest growing segment of student loan borrowers are older Americans. And I like, you know, I've been in some like state house, um, you know, rooms testifying on bills where it will be packed with members of AARP mm-hmm. willing to take on the student loan industry. Um, And like you could, you know, you could be sure it's very hard for any politician to vote against that. And I think like up and down the line, just people willing to share their stories, especially with elected officials, um, uh, and just kind of like help keep up the momentum about changing this narrative from one, which is like, you know, the shame and blame on individual borrowers to just talking about the larger systemic issues and like the larger systemic unfairness that this debt is like causing and driving is like always is always my advice
2: because people are like I don't care about individuals and you're like okay how do we get through to you person who lacks (laughs) empathy and also is apparently the entire Republican Party okay well um thank you so much for being on the show I really appreciate (laughs) it awesome
3: thank you so much
2: So anyway, cancel all student loan debt. The Department of Education could absolutely do it, and they're choosing not to. Also, Betsy DeVos, you're the worst. Also, so many of these things are so fixable, and it's like migraine-inducing that we just don't do anything about it. I think we have to put student loan debt on the forefront of any sort of racial or economic inequality activism that we're doing. Thank you for listening. Make sure you're subscribed to our show on Stitcher or wherever you find your podcasts. This show is produced by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our audio engineer is Brendan Burns and our audio is mixed by Andy Christens. Our executive producers are Chris Bannon and Josephine Martirana. Original music is composed by Zach Sherwin, Mike Kaplan, and Jack Dolgen. Our theme song is performed by Sam Barbera. Bad With Money is a production of Stitcher. I'm Gabby Dunn and I will see you next week where hopefully we can burn the whole system down.